hope. It's this elusive, wispy, almost ethereal feeling, right? It's a word we see so often during Christmas that it's almost lost all meaning for us. But real hope is powerful. Real hope is tangible. Real hope is available to each of us personally. It's a hope that was realized over 2,000 years ago by a teenage peasant named Mary. And it's a hope each of us can experience this Christmas and the rest of the year, and really the rest of our lives. So let's talk about it together. When a lot of us hear the word hope, there's this initial reaction of, of cynicism. What's that about? You know what it's about? We're adults. See, we've all had our hopes dashed enough to know it can be safer to not hope. Right? Those Think about it. Those hopes you had as a kid, whether it was like the Christmas gift you hoped you got and you didn't, the hope of like making the team or getting that job or getting that date that, that never happened. Or our hopes for what we thought life would be like by now, or what our family was supposed to be like, or hopes for what our kids' lives would be that they, they didn't pursue. See, it seems like the more we hope, the more we're just disappointed. And so we relegate this word to one time a year, and it becomes this fun, magical idea for kids, but it really doesn't have this solid definition or, or place in our lives. And as we age, we put silly things like hope away. And we focus on real life and dealing with whatever our realities really are. Just getting through the days and the weeks and the years the best we can. Like Honestly, what does wishful thinking really do for real adults in the real world, right? I mean, that's a good point. But what if we could have a hope that is secure, that is sure, that is tested, that is real, that is able, that we're able to experience here and now? See, that is the real hope of Christmas, a solid hope based on actual events and an actual person. See, hope is just wishful thinking unless it's based on something reliable and real. And we can discover this hope through the eyes of the first person to actually realize it, Mary, the mother of Jesus. See, Mary grew up in a world that had almost lost all hope. All her life, she had heard that God promised her people, her ancestor, Abraham, that the whole world would be blessed through his offspring. But his descendants, the Jews, they didn't feel very blessed right now, let alone able to bless the entire world. And she was also taught that her other ancestor, King David, had been promised that his throne would last forever. But her people lived under the boot of the most powerful empire in the world, Rome. But still, God had promised something and that, and that someone was coming. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. But God had been silent. By the time Mary is alive, God had been silent for hundreds of years. Nobody had really had a prophet speak for God. And they were still under Roman occupation. And the king that they did have was really just a, a puppet of Rome. And the religious leaders they had were more concerned about keeping the laws and traditions than actually helping the people. And so in this hopeless situation, God invades the darkness with a spark of hope that will turn into a blaze that entirely changes the world forever. See, a nobody peasant girl with the most common name at the time, Mary, from a dinky nothing village 
has the weirdest day ever. She's sitting there minding her own business, and an angel from God appears to her and says, you're going to have a baby, Mary, and he's going to be the one that you have been waiting for, that you have been hoping for, that your people have been hoping for. And Mary says, that, that's not possible. I'm, I'm a good girl. I'm not married. I've never had you know, relations with a man. And the angel's like, not a problem. Nothing's impossible for God. God will, God will do it. And guess what? He also gave your old relative who's past having baby years, Elizabeth, she's, he's given her a baby too. And Mary says, okay, I'm in. I'm God's servant. And that seems crazy. And you might not buy this part of the story. I get that. You know, virgins don't have babies. That's, that's totally fine that you don't, you don't buy that. Well, Mary found it hard to believe too. She, it's hard for her to understand what's going to happen. Now, here's why I believe, even though this seems crazy, Luke, the writer of the story that we're going to talk about, he's considered one of the best ancient historians we have about this time period in this place. And he says that he talked to eyewitnesses of Jesus's life. And so to have the info he has, this inside information he has about Mary's life and that type of thing, either has had to make up the story, which doesn't seem likely when we compare it to the rest of what he wrote, or he interviewed someone who was there, possibly Mary herself. She was young enough to have known Luke. Or maybe he interviewed someone who knew her, maybe her younger son, James, who was the leader of the first church. Or maybe the disciple John, who actually took in Mary after Jesus was crucified. Either way, Mary believes the angel and she goes and sees her relative, Elizabeth. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. See, Elizabeth says Mary is blessed because Mary chose to believe that God would actually do what he promised he would do. Real hope is choosing to believe God will do what he says he will do. And after this greeting that Elizabeth gives her, Mary bursts out into the very first Christmas song, where she lays out the entire point of her pregnancy, proving that, yes, Mary did know. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children, forever. I mean, this, this song is so rich and it's really so important that I think it's worthwhile to really break it down into its, its three parts. And so for this episode, we're going to focus on the beginning of Mary's song, where she says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I mean, look how personal that is. Like her soul and her spirit praise and rejoice. Her entire being, her thoughts and her feelings are filled with praise to God and rejoicing in who God is. See, real hope creates real joy. And why is she so joyful? For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I mean, think about it. Mary is so humble there. Not this, like, self-deprecating, oh, I'm so horrible and terrible kind of way. No, she's just acknowledging her reality. She's no princess. 
She's no queen. She knows that. She knows that she's like one of the lowest and weakest people in her society. But God has chosen to bless her, to do good to her anyway. God has chosen to make her one of the most famous people in the history of the human race. And Mary understands that it's through no special quality or ability of her own that she's just chosen, she has been chosen, to bring about God's long-awaited promise. Think about it. God owes Mary nothing. She owes him everything, yet he chooses to bless her. If you have kids, you understand this, right? You don't owe your kids anything. You're the one who's always taking care of them, but you still want to do good to them. That's how God is for all of us. God chose Mary out of every other woman in history to give birth to and to raise his promised Savior for all of humanity. Why did God choose Mary? Because he wanted to. Because he chose to. See, it's the same grace and the love he offers to all of us. In fact, as Mary's other son wrote, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. See, the goodness and love of God is the foundation of real, solid hope. But how does she know God is good? Because she knows him. For the mighty one is holy, she says. The mighty one. The one with all the power, the one who is in charge, the one who can do anything, the one who can't be stopped, the one who is not changed by outside circumstances and influences, the one who started the universe and keeps it going. That is the mighty one that she knows. And she says the mighty one is holy, meaning set apart, meaning he is unlike anyone or anything else. He is full of love and mercy and truth and justice. And he is slow to anger and abounding and overflowing with love. When we experience who God really is, we experience what hope really is. And what makes her choose to hope and rejoice? He has done great things for me. See, this mighty, holy one knows her and has worked on her behalf. He has done great things for her. We can personally know real hope because we are personally known by the real God. And now, yeah, I know, you might be saying, and I get it, hope. Okay, you're it's Christmas, you're teaching about hope. Got it. Like, blah, 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 hope this, hope that. But what is Mary actually hoping for? Like, you haven't really, like, laid it out. Is she hoping for the promised Messiah? Yeah. Is she hoping that her baby really is the one? Sure. But all of that actually points to a deeper hope. It's a hope that we read at the very beginning. We kind of skipped over it. She said, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. God, my Savior. It's a phrase God used of himself a lot of many times in the Jewish scriptures that Mary was raised with. I, yes, I am the Lord and there is no other Savior. I have been the Lord your God ever since I brought you out of Egypt. You must acknowledge no God but me, for there is no other Savior. See, God promised to save his people from the beginning of history. And the angel told Mary to name his son, her son Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, which means God saves or God is my salvation. And now this baby is the solid proof that God was trustworthy, that God was going to fulfill his promise, that he was going to destroy the power of sin, sin, that thing that makes us do what we don't want to do, that thing that keeps separating us from God and, and from others and ourselves, that thing that makes us say that what I want is more important than you. 
It's power. Sin's power had started to unravel because of the baby growing in Mary's womb. And because God had kept his promise, the result of sin, death, was being overpowered by light, love, and life. See, Mary's hope was based on reality. The reality that God was coming to save his people. The reality that she could like feel, kick, and hiccup, and stretch inside of her. Somehow, this baby was God fulfilling his promise to come and rescue his people. See, in reality, when Mary's singing, she's singing to her own son, whom she would watch grow, whom she would watch teach with authority and power, whom she would watch heal the sick and the blind and the deaf and the paralyzed, whom she would watch die on a Roman cross, and whom she would see risen and alive again three days later. She was singing to her God and her Savior, She was singing to her son, whom she would name Jesus, God saves. Jesus is hope realized and personified and experienced and lived and touched. See, this isn't just wishful thinking. This isn't some fleeting, wispy hope. This is the most real thing in the universe because it is hope in God himself. And it's not reserved for the select few who have discovered the secret knowledge or have been religious or have worked hard enough. No, it's available to everyone right now. Mary's song can be all of our songs. He has taken notice of you. You too can be called blessed. He has also done great things for you. As Paul put it, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And so what do we do with this? We just nod and agree and say, yeah, that's, oh, that's really great. Or do we like, you know, get hung up on the whole like virgin birth miracle angel stuff? Or do we say, yeah, yeah, I know this stuff, right? Every year, same thing. Or do we let real hope start reawakening our hearts? Do we choose to have the courage to dare to hope again? Hope with Jesus isn't just wishing for something. It's absolute certainty that God keeps his promises. It's a hope that our lives here and now matter because we are known and loved and blessed by the mighty one. It's a hope that we aren't alone when all other hopes are dashed. Hope that in the end, good will win. Justice will be done. All pain and death will forever be defeated. That's what Jesus promised. That is what we can hope for because he based it on himself, the one who promised he would die and rise again and then did. And so my question is, is Jesus your hope? This Christmas might be the time you finally try it. See, you don't have to make any decisions right now. I'm not trying to push you in any way. But maybe for just this Christmas season, maybe choose to hope that this is actually real. Allow yourself to entertain that hope for a few minutes, maybe a few days. Don't let your cynicism and and your experience push it away right away. Ask these questions like, do you want this to be true? Why is that? And what if it is true? What difference would that make for you? 
Now, if we say, if we do say Jesus is our hope, do we live like it? Or do we live like our hope is our, our job or our wealth or our political party or our family, or our reputation or whatever? When Jesus is our real hope, it permeates our thoughts, our feelings, and our decisions. And so to, to allow that to happen, to allow real hope to be renewed in us. This week, let's read and pray Mary's song, Mary's prayer. Luke 1, 46 through 55 that we've already read. Read that once a day this week and pray that. Say, thank you, God, for noticing us and, and loving us and, and the power that you have to completely reshape society in your love. See, hope is real. Hope is powerful, not because we want it to be or because it makes us feel something really magical once a year, but because Jesus is true hope and he is real and he is powerful. God, the mighty one, the holy one, coming to earth as a baby to rescue us, to renew us and restore us to himself. We can hope in him because we can trust and rely on him. This is the hope we are all looking for. This is the hope that has sustained and inspired and saved millions of people for thousands of years. It's a hope we can find by a single choice to trust that Jesus is who he said he is and that he will do what he said he will do. See, finding real hope leads to finding real life. Thank you for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. Uh, thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for listening on the podcast. And thank you for sharing it with your friends. You can always hear these messages in person. We meet at 4.30 on Sundays. And this December, we have three more meetings um, for this month because we are meeting the 18th will be our final gathering in person for 2022. And it's also gonna be our Christmas service. So you can expect a few special things for that service. We also have our final Youth Connect of 2022. That'll be on the first Sunday of the month. We will not be meeting on the third Sunday of the month because we will be celebrating Christmas at our Christmas service on the 18th. And also don't forget, as we enter November, we are finishing up our A Home for the Holidays opportunity for Salem. We are raising $5,000 along with Liberty and we are halfway to our goal. So. Uh, thank you for giving. If you haven't given already, we really appreciate uh, those donations. All of the money goes to Church of the Park to fund a micro shelter. You can find out more by checking out our website, and there's more in the show notes on that. We look forward to seeing you in person, and happy December. <laughs>